Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. It's just gone 8 o'clock here on SENZ. Uh, this is Extra Time. Ricardo Paul in with you coming up this hour. We head to West Island to catch up with Pete Fairburn and uh, get his take on sport and uh, the happenings over the weekend from uh, the West Island. Uh, also, we're going to catch up with Hamish Bidwell for Media Watch as well and get his take on uh, the upcoming Com Games and all the goings-on and uh, from New Zealand rugby in the last week as well. Before that, though, it's time to review the week. So we're going to start with this. No All Blacks this week, of course, but still lots going on in the world of sport over the weekend. And starting with what happened off the field, and Ian Foster keeping his job as All Black coach for now, but two of his assistants are gone. Brad Moore and John Plumtree are out the door. Jason Ryan is coming in. I, I finished the series and... and the changes we've made are ones that I think that, that the team needs. And so this is about what is the best thing for the, for this all-black team to go forward and play better. And we didn't get what we want. I think we've got a clear mandate that there's a strong belief in the direction we're going, but there's there's a feel that we actually need to get a couple of new voice, get a new voice in there and make some changes to get to get the gains that we really want to get. Yeah, the All Blacks uh, will, of course, travel to South Africa for two matches starting August 7. Sticking with rugby, there's plenty of action in the Farah Palmer Cup over the weekend. There were plenty of games. Pick of the bunch, though, has got to be Canterbury's narrow win over Auckland. It's there. From Muir, is it? A charge towards the trial, and it's good defence, though, from Auckland so far. Mataele charges towards the line, and she's over. The referee's time, it's all that is the most important time here. And referee Dan Moore says, that is enough, that'll do us. It is Canterbury, 33 points to 27. Yeah, the Winsies Canterbury sit atop the Premiership standings. Hey, sticking with the oval ball, we're going to head over to Rugby League and the Warriors blew a 14-0 half-time lead against the Raiders to lose 26-14 in the Aussie capital. And the Melbourne Storm lost their fourth straight game as well. But the big talking point from the weekend was this. One shot at it. Oh, it's gone half deep. A short kickoff. Goes too long. And that will be full time. They're appealing that Cole Felt got ran off the ball. They can challenge this. They can challenge it. But he's done a pretty good job. Comes sideways, which denies Cole Felt the opportunity. Oh, it'll be a penalty. Val Holmes will have a chance to win this game. Valentine Holmes. He's he it. has kicked it. <laughs> the Cowboys win. The Cowboys win by a point. Yeah, a controversial call. Saw the Cowboys scrape past the West Tigers, which left people in an uproar. NRL's head of football elite competitions, Graham Annesley, has addressed the finish to the Tigers' loss to the Cowboys in his weekly briefing, breaking the controversy into two components. Annesley said the NRL was satisfied with the decision to award a captain's challenge but admitted the penalty against the Tigers was wrong. We're just not satisfied that there was enough in that incident to warrant the decision of the bunker to award a penalty kick. Um, Yes, there was contact, yes, there was a collision, uh, but uh, we believe that uh, the 
uh, Western Suburbs player, the West Tigers, I'm sorry, uh, player involved, uh, was heading towards the ball. Uh, he didn't look over his shoulder to uh, to see who was coming behind him. Uh, yes, he ran a you know a sl slightly strange line to to head towards the ball, but he was heading towards the ball. Um, and these are matters of judgment from from the officials. But on review this morning, we just don't believe there was enough in that to award a penalty and that the on-field challenge should have been, uh, at that point, uh, dismissed by the bunker as an unsuccessful challenge. So there you go. That is what Annesley had to say. Of course, uh, to add to the drama, Kevin Proctor was then sacked by the Gold Coast Titans after he posted a video of himself vaping during his side's loss to the Bulldogs, which breached a number of NRL rules. Meanwhile, the Tall Blacks have completed their impressive Asian Cup campaign with a remarkable 83-75 comeback win over Jordan to claim third place at the tournament overall and a bronze medal, their first uh, since joining the Asian Confederation. Smith-Milner for three, and it's a two-point game. Berenson has to put it up. He does, and he ties it. Oh, my Smith-Milner from deep. Good. New Zealand, somehow, some way, have battled back to take the lead. For Flynn Cameron brings it up. Smith-Milner doesn't hesitate. Good. Look how he's feeling it. He may be a part of that. True. Cody Smith-Milner again. Go! So there you go, that is the Tall Blacks on fire, as you heard, uh, winning the bronze medal at the uh, FIBA Asia Cup. Uh, finally, Charles Leclerc gifted Max Verstappen victory and a huge advantage in the world champs, uh, the F1 world champs, that is, by crashing out of the lead at the French Grand Prix. Verstappen's seventh win in 12 races gives him a 63-point lead with 10 races left. And no one has managed to get ahead of Max Verstappen after he took the lead following Charles Leclerc's crash earlier. Perez makes a late lunge onto George Russell, will stick behind him. Max Verstappen started on the front row, sees a checkered flag for the second year in a row, wins the French Grand Prix and comes home to take victory number 27 in his career. Also in motorsport, Scott McLaughlin's edged compatriot Scott Dixon in an exhilarating duel to claim a podium finish in the second race of the IndyCar's doubleheader at Iowa. It's seven past eight here on SENZ. When we come back, Hamish Bidwell joins us for Media Watch. You're on SENZ Extra Time and joining us out of Australia, West Island as I like to refer to it. Pete Fairburn, how are you, mate? Yeah, just that little little island over to the over to the west. Just little battlers doing our best, mate. Yeah, <laughs> and doing it right, mate. Doing it right, and making the making news uh, obviously all the time because uh, the NRL never never stops making news, does it? Um, and once again, another story. It's not exactly Kevin Proctor, super bad boy, but vaping in the toilets has managed to get him sacked from the Titans. Uh, what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I mean, the, the first thought was, hang on, Kevin Proctor didn't play on the weekend, did he? He was definitely, you know, a non-playing vapor. Um, and once I was able to confirm that, still the idiocy of it, of it sat pretty heavily with me. I mean, this is a guy who, who obviously has achieved some great things on the footy field, um, you know, both at a club and at an international level over the years, but has also found himself in his share of trouble, um, you know, the, obviously the much publicised. Uh, late night incident in Canberra comes to mind, and a guy who has been around the trap long enough that he should well and truly know better. Um, and you know, he's not even a young a young bloke with the kind of sense of you know, if I did it and it's not on social media, did it really happen? So 
you'd have to look really far and really wide to find a self-defence um, mechanism here for Kevin Proctor. Just absolute idiocy. He's meant to be a role model. Um, you know, he's, he's basically um, you know, promoting one of the most ridiculous um, lifestyle choices I've ever seen. And um, to do it at halftime of, of a, an NRL match in which he's, the, I, I think, still um, certainly in the leadership group of that Gold Coast Titans club, it uh, doesn't surprise me that they've looked at it and seen an opportunity to rip his contract up and say, see you later. I, I would assume he'll probably end up Super League bound because I can't imagine there's anyone else in the NRL who, who are that keen to take him on. Well, to be honest, I kind of thought, oh, you know, Warriors, uh, time to grand the rest of the season. What do you reckon? Um, every chance, every chance. Apparently, he, <laughs> he's due to Super League next year anyway. So I, I guess the Gold Coast have looked at this and gone, well, we're not going to do anything this season. We can save ourselves some money. Yeah, it's been an awful season for the Titans. You know, after sneaking into finals last year and exciting a few people, um, you know, I, I personally looked at their roster pre-season and still saw a fair few holes and, and worried about you know their ability. Uh, I couldn't get over them releasing Jamal Fogarty to, to Canberra and, and you know, the lack of proper cover um, in the halves, and I think that's really come back to bite them. But it's been a, a real anus horribilis for, for the Titans. And, and from here, um, you know, it's hard to see what they can possibly achieve between now and the end of the season. So if they can save themselves 150 grand or so by, by getting rid of Kevin Proctor early, um, yeah, they seize the opportunity and he's handed it to them on a plate. What's been the the, the reaction um, to to this, but also to the way the Titans are tracking this year? I mean, you don't hear drums beating, well, not over here anyway, for, for Holbrook's head. I mean, it, it seems to be... I, I think he's a great coach. He's, that, he's just got a, some questionable, um, you know, recruitment and retention going on. Yeah, well, they do say the Gold Coast is the place where sporting franchises go to die. Um, and, you know, based on the, the average age of people living on the Gold Coast, it is that little bit higher than other parts of the country. So maybe there's a bit of truth in that. Um, but as I say, the Titans, you know, they looked like they were building. And while I, I had doubts over their ability to, to back it up and play finals again this year, I certainly didn't anticipate the slide which we've, um, you know, which we've seen. Holbrook, uh, by all accounts, is safe until the end of the year when, when there will be a full review of the Titans. And um, by all accounts, you know, he has uh, the players you know, really do believe in him. He is regarded as a very good technical coach. Um, Jim Dimmock, who was one of the uh, the assistants there, was let go a couple of weeks ago. Perhaps he's the, the Brad Moore or the John Plumtree of the situation, the fall guy in this instance. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Gold Coast Titans need to need to ascertain um, how they're going to have an impact on this competition and a long-term one because you know, the type of money they're paying for a David Fakita, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the signing of Kieran Foran, but that's got a, a two-year, three-year max kind of, um, I guess, window on that as well. So it's really hard to see at the moment what the future looks like for the Titans. They are a little bit off-Broadway. Um, even living here in Brisbane, we certainly hear a lot more about the Broncos, the Redcliffe Dolphins are making a real splash, no pun intended, and, and obviously the success of the Cowboys. And I know you want to talk about them shortly, but um, yeah, that, that kind of dominates you know, the likes of the Courier Mail over here, the Queensland newspapers and the nightly news, and the Titans really um, just kind of plot away in the background. And if they're winning games, people go, oh, good for them. And if they're not, people go, what's the point of them? Tell you, I'll throw an idea at you, Pete, and see, you gauge what you think here, but given what we've seen with the Tigers, um, 
going back to Tim Sheens next year. There's a bloke uh, who is in name only, really, the Kangaroos coach, because he hasn't done anything for four years, who's involved at the Titans. I mean, could we see Holbrook being the good, you know, uh, as you said, uh, specialist guy who's a technical guy, um, taking a back seat, but being uh, part of the coaching staff, and Mel Meninga being the guy that revs everybody up and, and takes the team forward, and you'd think that would might help with recruitment, the opportunity to play under Mel as well? Yeah, but um, look, Mel's been there for a while and had a presence around the organisation and, and played a role in recruitment and hasn't really been able to positively influence them in terms of securing you know marquee talent to, to head for the Titans. So I don't see a guy in Mel who, who has the appetite to even be a, a full-time employee, um, which is quite different to Tim Sheens at the Tigers, who was in the trenches every day, director of football, committed to turning that organisation around, whereas... The impression I get is that Mal kind of comes and goes and, you know, probably gets invited to a lunch here and a board meeting there and you show your face and maybe present a medal at a, you know, a youth carnival and go and talk to the boys once a month and sit in a corporate suite for a game. It's very different and, you know, it, it, it's a very different feeling from that which I get from Tim Sheens who was brought in to do a role, threw himself into it, um, you know, with, with, with eyes wide open um, and has now taken on an, an even bigger role. So Mel Meninga seems just as worried about, you know, players declaring their allegiance to play for Australia at the Rugby World Cup or else they shouldn't play Origin um, as, as the fortunes of the Titans. So to me, that doesn't that doesn't sound like someone who's the answer to all their problems. No, you're probably right there. You mentioned organisations that have got problems. Uh, one of those is the bunker. Um, what the hell happened in that Cowboys-Tigers game at the end there? That was an absolute joke. And I, I don't know what was um, more frustrating slash funny uh, at happening or Graham Annesley trying to explain it away and say that no one was wrong. Well, I'll tell you what, if you talk about jobs that no one wants, Graham Annesley's job to turn up and do that briefing every Monday morning, you could not pay me a million bucks uh, you know, to, to, to go and do that role and sit there and explain to the media the decisions made by match referees over the weekend by the bunker, admit which was wrong, uh, try and justify which you think is right, and, and then try and convince everyone. And this is the, the cherry on top at the end of it, trying to convince everyone, all right, we've explained all our decisions, right or wrong, off we go and let's play another and you know, another round of fixtures and how good is rugby league. Um, you know, for fans of the Tigers, for sponsors of the Tigers, for employees, staff, players, coaches, board members, that's just simply not good enough. It's galling for that organisation who um, you know, desperately needed a win and, and what a massive upset it would have been and a thoroughly deserved one. And, um, you know, with Tim Sheen, Brett Kamali not even there, or, you know, with, with COVID and just, you know, the, I guess the, the public perception of that organisation, for them to be able to come and, and win away from home against all odds, against um, one of the competition surprise packets this year and a Cowboys team who've been really hard to beat and most importantly been really hard to score against, right? For the Tigers who themselves have been fairly toothless on attack, to, to score 26 points against the Cowboys was quite a statement of intent. So it's not fair on them. Um, you know, refereeing mistakes happen, but when you've got a booker and you've got a system in place that's designed to ensure that there is consistency in decision-making with such massive ramifications, I don't think anyone could believe um, what was unfolding in front of our eyes. Yeah, well, how badly wrong they got that. Uh, but, yeah, anyway, uh, we should talk also the Melbourne Storm, mate, because 
four on the trot. Not since 2015 have they lost four on the bounce. And, you know, normally you see Craig Bellamy, he's fired up, he's angry about things. But at the press conference after this game, he seemed resigned. Yeah, I've never seen uh, Belliate look so defeated. Mind you, he's got a bit of the Eddie Joneses about him in that, that everything is pretty carefully considered with Craig, right? So I don't think he's gone in there and, and shown himself to look like a bloke who doesn't have any of the answers and doesn't know the way forward and, 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 and you know, this will slowly get worse and worse and, and everything's coming to an end. That's not Craig Bellamy. So there's a reason why um, sometimes he's angry, sometimes he's, um, you know, going to present himself in the manner in which he did um, after that Rabbitohs game. Look, the bunnies are flying, Latrell's come back and is, is looking really, really sharp. And, um, you know, the Storm Bobbers have got a couple of big outs at the moment that they're trying to cover as well. Um, I, I don't think this is a champion Storm team. I don't think it's a team that right now you could argue is in premiership contention. However, it's still a very, very brave man or woman who would tip against them being able to get back into premiership contention before the end of the regular season. So, look, what what a cracking matchup at Mount Smart this, this coming Friday. I'm sure you'll probably head along. Warriors, um, you know, a, another fantastic first half, disappointing second half on the weekend. They're never going to get a better opportunity in front of, um, you know, riding the wave of, of having been away for so long. So they'll get a massive crowd at Mount Smart on Friday night. Um, you know, they'll never get a better opportunity to beat the Storm in their own backyard and build some real momentum as an organisation, um, not only on the field, but also in terms of the groundswell of support that they can really um, arc up at Mount Smart. So that'll be a, a cracking contest. For me, I still think the Storm will go over there and get it done. And if you look ahead to their fixture beyond that Warriors game, they've got the Titans at home the week after. Yeah, then they play the Panthers and the Broncos, which is a little bit tougher and and then the Roosters, um, Roosters, Parramatta heading into finals. So the next two are, are, are the must wins, really, in in, in uh, Warriors and Titans. And then if they could could win two of those other four, there's still a, a really strong chance of a top four spot and a double chance heading into finals. Yeah, that's what I found so surprising about it because it's I know they have at part and at the early part of this uh, losing run been undermanned, but I mean that last game. They had Harry Grant, they had both the Bromwich brothers, they had Nelson Asafa Solomona, they had Kalfusi, they had Jerome Hughes, they had Cameron Munster, uh, they had Jerome Ollum, uh, what's it, Justin Ollum, um, and they had uh, Nick Meany out the back. I mean, it's not the worst team running around, right? So I expected better. I'm sure uh, most of their fans would have as well. Yeah, but what you've also got to remember is the disruption that injuries, absences, origin has had on them. And I think we even saw that, to be fair, with, with Penrith, um, you know, in the first half of their performance against Cronulla, that it takes time to, to rebuild combinations when players have been away. So Munster's obviously missed footy with COVID. Kafusi's been over in the US, missed origin three. His dad really unwell. Um, and I must admit, I'm, I'm not, not sure the, the latest on that. I haven't followed that in, in recent days. But he, he's been away for a long time, not training. Uh, Harry Grant's been with, with the Maroons, of course. Um, and, and then you've got, you know, the absence of Brian Pappenhausen as well and, and what a critical component he is in, in that match day squad. So, yeah, it's a great-looking side on paper and, and they've played plenty of footy together over the years. But at the same time, when you come up against a red-hot Rabbitohs team who um, had, had, were coming off, a, was it a five-day break, having scored 30-odd points against, um, against the Bulldogs the week before and were, were riding the wave of momentum... Um, it was actually a pretty tough assignment for the Storm to be thrown into. And um, look, you look at their last few weeks, they're definitely going to be disappointed, but I don't see a team who 
who are completely out of the mix. They just need to rediscover winning again. And they've got enough winners in the group that, as I say, if they win four of that six, they finish top four and anything can happen. All right, mate, let's talk uh, Rugby Union. Uh, the Wallabies have named a test squad, obviously, for the uh, championship. Uh, they have to go to Argentina to uh, to play two games over there, which is going to be interesting. What did you make of the squad that Dave Rennie named? There's a few debutants in there. Yeah, and look, it's a tough tough um, tour to head off to to start the rugby championship. Argentina just won the test series against Scotland 2-1. Last time the Wallabies played Scotland at the end of tour, uh, sorry, end of year tour last year, Scotland comprehensively defeated the Wallabies. So um, it, it's by no means going to be an easy couple of weeks over there, and especially with uh, Los Pumas now led by our, our favourite old mate Michael Checker as well. There's going to be plenty of emotion. He's going to really lean into the the underdog factor and like the Eddie Jones light that he is. And um, yeah, we're, we're gonna we're gonna see two fairly attritional contests, I, I think. In terms of the squad, um, Jock Campbell, Matt Given, Lalakai Fokethi and Fraser McRae all joined that squad having played with Australia A in the Pacific Nations Cup in Fiji. So they had three weeks over there, um, beat Tonga, beat Fiji, lost to Samoa, so managed to get some, some match fitness. And that's pretty new for these guys to be able to come into a Wallaby environment having missed those July inbound tests to come in having played some, some footy together at a strong level. So that will give them an opportunity if they get it um, to have an impact. You've also got a couple of uncapped guys who've been around and about in the past in Pone Farmacilli from the Rebels, the tighthead prop who's a human highlights reel waiting to happen if he can get himself on the park. Um, but the one who's really caught my eye is a guy called Jed Holloway who you would know he's been around a long time, locked 6'8 from the Waratahs, um, has been in Wallabies training squads as long ago as, as kind of 2014, 2015 under Michael Checker but was never able to break through and make his debut. Um, didn't get re-signed from the Tars under Daryl Gibson, I think, back in, in either 18 or 19, and headed over to Japan to play alongside uh, Kieran Reid and, and Michael Hooper at Toyota and really found his love of rugby back and, and returned to Super Rugby with the Waratahs this year um, under Darren Coleman, a guy who coached him previously and knew him well and, and had a fantastic season at the Waratahs and ended up winning uh, the Matt Burt Cup, which Michael Hooper's essentially had a mortgage on for the last decade. So Jed was expected to, to feature in that England series and picked up a niggle, um, which ruled him out. But he's that really powerful, um, big body who can come in at lock and really shore up the scrum and also um, have a real impact at line-out time. Um, he'll partner really well if he gets the opportunity with Dave Parecki, but... The, the new Wallabies hooker who had a really good um, three starts against the English in his first three tests. They were, were sensational as a unit um, you know, together for the Waratahs this year. So I think Jed Holloway's got a real opportunity to come in and be in the mix. And then if we're talking second row, Rory Arnold rejoins the group as well um, for the first time this year. Um, with Samu Karevi missing the Argentina tour to go to the Commonwealth Games with the Australian Rugby Sevens team, Rory Arnold becomes that third of three overseas-based players eligible. So he's he's been having a pretty good time in the European summer. I think Rory Arnold's been in Croatia and, and obviously playing in France before that and will we'll play in Japan next season. But um, if they can get him fit and firing, he's obviously you know, a world-class mock on his day. All right, mate. And uh, finally, you want to touch on cricket too. Of course, we've seen Ben Stokes retire from ODIs and uh, the Yarpies have decided that they're not going to turn up and play in your backyard over Christmas as well. Yeah, that's right. If you know, if um, if an ODI series is cancelled and nobody talks about it, was it ever really slated to happen? I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable, really. I don't know about you, Ricardo, across the ditch, but here in Australia, we grew up 
with uh, you know great one day international contests coming during the summer, and, and that was kind of the soundtrack of our our daylight savings. You know, kind of January evenings were these day night contests. You know. Of, of the men in, in Australian gold playing in, on the one-day international circuit after generally after routing whoever had bothered to come over and play a few tests against us first. And, yeah, it's, it's completely different landscape these days. You know, we saw Ben Stokes, you know, less than, than three months after being named captain of the England test team, decided to retire from ODI cricket, but no mention as to whether he'd retire from playing in the IPL, for example. Um, in South African cricket, they've decided to launch their P20 competition in January, which would have competed directly with this, this one-day international series they're meant to play in Australia. So they've decided not to come out because they don't want to um, take their best players away from being available for that P20 competition. A couple of flow-on effects here really quickly. One, it actually means now South Africa are going to have to qualify for the next ODI Cricket World Cup. Mm. So it's not a decision they've taken lightly, and there are genuine ramifications. Two, Cricket Australia, not actually all that bothered because it gives them the opportunity to look to parachute their players into the big bash here in Australia that's happening at the same time. So maybe it actually works out quite conveniently for them. The problem, the thing underpinning all of this that has Australian cricket really, really worried, we've got the new T20 competition that starts in the Middle East in December. Um, and, and then obviously the South African one in January that will both clash with the Big Bash. They both have more money than the Big Bash. They both have an opportunity for players who play in them to make significantly more money than if they played in the Big Bash. The, the six teams in the Middle East have all been bought by six of the IPL owners, so there's going to be a link there. Um, and, and the broadcast deal that's come through in South Africa is enormous. So it's not going to be as simple as just popping your David Warners, your Glenn Maxwells, your uh, Matthew Wade, your Pat Cummins into the big bash and saying, go and play for the Sydney Thunder. I, I think what we're actually quite likely to see is a lot of these players decide to play in those far more lucrative overseas P20 competitions and we just shrink our own domestic uh, summer here. So really, really concerning. Yeah, it would be. I would imagine, though, if you're not playing an international series when you're supposed to be and you're contracted to Cricket Australia then they have you for that period of time and they can tell you where to play. Without knowing the specifics, I don't think it's as simple as that, Ricardo. And, and you know, I, I think basically it comes into whether they want to take it as, as rest time or if they choose to nominate the play abroad, just like they do with the IPL. I mean, Dave Warner hasn't played Big Bash in about five or six years and I can't imagine he's going to pick this year to do so. Um, they have to sign a contract with the Big Bash team. They have to want to play in the Big Bash competition. They can't be forced to do so under their playing agreement. So... Um, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of that and whether Cricket Australia could look to block them from playing an overseas competition. But if that started to be the case, you know, things are getting pretty messy pretty quickly. They would do indeed. All right, Pete. Hey, listen, thanks for coming on, mate. Always good to hear from West Island. Uh, have a good week and we'll catch up with you next week, eh? Always good to hear from our big brother across the ditch, mate. We'll just keep punching on and doing our best. 25 away from 9 o'clock here on SENZ. Joining us now for Media Watch is Hamish Bidwell. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, another exciting week in uh, the world of sport and uh, writing and talking about sport, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so. Have you uh, ever cocked up so badly that two of your subordinates have been fired and you've kept your job? Well, I have to be in a position of authority to start with, and that's pretty unlikely given my sort of... uh, Nature and track record, so no, not heaven, but it's good work if you can get it, isn't it? I mean, imagine not being, to, imagine being the coach but not responsible for any of the results. I, I wouldn't mind that job. I know. Uh, if what um, 
had me, well, I wasn't even scratching my head, just laughing to myself, really, was how many times he mentioned accountability while, standing, while keeping a straight face. He, he deserves an award just for that, I think. Well, let's be fair. The whole thing's been a shambles, and I include the media in that. There were some guys who got a big giddy, uh, said some things about NZR, wrote some things about NZR, uh, got the life into Foster, and... You know, we had to wake up the next thing. Oh, God, he's still here. Like, I had a friend who had a terminal illness and he wasn't going to wake up for the operation. So they, the doctor said to him, if there's anything you want to tell your family, get it out of the way now. He said, when he woke up, he just couldn't... The first thing he thought of was, oh, God, I have to live with what I told them. Do you know what I mean? And, and I sort of thought like that for the media. Like they, they, they fired these shots across and they said that either our comms are a disgrace, their whole outfit's a joke... We had Joe Malcolm doing that weird stuff on LinkedIn in response to similarly weird stuff from Mike Jasper's former NZR staffer. So, yeah, it's just been a strange episode. And then you throw in, well, I mean, it's nice to know that two people are to blame for the old pieces of woes and they're gone. And now we can look forward to um, normal service resuming and them being the, the greatest team in the world because they're clearly the only issues of the match team. And happy days. It's just been a really interesting thing to be on the sideline of and just sort of see how poorly everyone sort of handled it. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a few things there, and I don't know where you want to pick up, but one of the things that there's there's a, a strong rumour doing the rounds that Leon McDonald is going to be the new backs coach, right? He's going to be the new Brad Moore, if you like. Um, have heard that from a couple of people, one of them pretty close to the Blues, and, uh, you know, I think Jim Kay's even uh, put a tweet out about it yesterday as well. Um one of the reasons that NZR gave for giving Foster the job over Robertson was that his back, his team, if you like, was stronger and more experienced um, than Scott Robertson's. But now we're going to be in a situation where they'll have fired two of that stronger team and hired two of the guys that weren't quite good enough. Yeah, so let's... I'll, I'll backtrack a bit. So when Wayne Smith left, John Sunbury was found out to become the defence coach. That was his portfolio of the Hurricanes. Um, and he said, A, no, I don't want to work with the people. And B, I want to run my own show. And somewhere along the line, he decided that succession and getting on board uh, a flawed, getting behind a flawed coach was his best route to the top job. That's been seen to be a nonsense. But you've, so you've got him, he's sort of, End of his plan. You've Jason Ryan has come in now, who was part of Scott Robertson's initial coaching group. Like, I just, if I were a McDonald, I wouldn't touch this at all, as Robertson shouldn't either. I would wait, I'd bide my time, I'd let the shambles unravel, and then I would come in with a clean with the group that I wanted. I'm surprised that Ryan has jumped. Um, I would have thought he would have been loyal to Razor. Um, that raises question marks on a couple of fronts for me. I can't really speculate on their relationship or why he would join the All Blacks, but I find it unusual, especially because if they bide their time, they can get that job. McDonald, Robertson, and Ryan. I think Jason Holland was going to be part of their team as well. Like they've got a few bases covered there. So you be careful what you wish for, eh? If you, sh- if you shack up with the wrong regime, as Plumtree did, who probably was a guy in his mind who was worthy of being an All Blacks head coach, and it doesn't go well, your, your career is largely on scrap heap. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, and the other thing is that I I don't see how I mean because Foster even said as much um, in the I don't know was it the interview with Jeff Wilson I think it was there was something he said I think it was like in the last line of 
of his answer to the last question. Basically, this was the players that made this call. Um, and and that was when, you know, Jeff Wilson in a roundabout way asked him if he'd lost the dressing room, which things I'd heard were, were close to the mark. Um, so the Do you play- think a player, knowing that that guy's not going, is going to say, actually, Ian, you're the problem? The way they are. Like, that guy's clearly the problem. There's no doubt about it. He, he is the least capable, the least well-credentialed, the least well-performed of all the guys on the coaching group. There's no way in the world that he's not the problem. Let's be fair about that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But all the other guys have won stuff. All the other guys have had made a demonstrative difference to the team. I mean, this is, we are watching, and you've, you've referenced this in the past, we are watching the Chiefs of pre-Dave Rennie. We're watching mm-hmm. the, the Ian Foster Chiefs performing well below par, and someone else will come in with this group and they will do well. We've seen this movie before. I mean... You know, and and this, I, I don't want this. This, I mean, you know, I, I I don't I don't think he's the right guy for the job. You don't think he's the right guy for the job, but it's not a personal thing with Foster. But the other thing I don't understand, and I know a couple of people have talked about this, but he, um, you know, handpicked Brad Moore, said I need him as part of my team. You need to go get him out of his contract with Scarlets. New Zealand Rugby, I, I looked it up, has paid something around the region of four hundred thousand dollars to get him out of his contract so that he could come and be part of the All Blacks team. Now, if Brad Moore hasn't done his job properly, which I don't... I mean, he did a pretty good job of it at the Crusaders, so I, I find that hard to believe. Um, so there's something else going on there, but, you know, are you, you're, you're telling New Zealand Rugby it's 400k well spent, and then it doesn't work and you sack him, but surely that's on you, you because you're the one that's, you know, tapped him on the shoulder and said, I really want you to come and be part of my team. So you raise an important point there about Foster. Like I don't rate the guy, and I don't know him well enough to dislike him, but I'll put it to you this way. When Hanson was coach, certainly at the Hurricanes, he and Chris Boyd, who was the coach then, didn't chew biscuits. And as far and so Foster had to go and do the regular All Blacks visits. Affable, inoffensive, uh, genial. The, the, the franchises liked him, and he would do the rounds because... Guys like Rennie and Boyd, Rennie at the Chiefs, had sort of fallen out with Foster, they, uh, with Hanson. They felt that he was a bully. They felt that he uh, continually kowtowed to him. So people, there's a, there's a warmth towards Foster. There's a uh, recognition around the game that he's a nice guy, but he's not. And so I, I find this hard. It's a bit like Sam Kane. Like I would have been uh, horrified for Sam Kane if he lost the job. He shouldn't have the job, but he doesn't deserve to, to be hung out to drink, to be to be mocked. Because he's actually a thoroughly, thoroughly decent man, and unlike Foster, he hasn't put himself forward to a position. He's been appointed to it. So I, I feel really, I feel semi bad for Foster, but he would can't escape the inadequacy of the regime. You can't uh, pretend that the guy who's the coach isn't in charge of the results or is responsible for the results. Of course, he is. That's how sport always works, and so. It's really hard to find something more professional and analytical, if I could call myself an analyst, which I'm calling on just a dribbler. But you can't, hard to do from that. The human side of it, because no one likes to see these people humiliated or, or criticised. I, I take issue with the post put out by NZR's media person, Joan Malcolm. That was, that was dribble, but I wouldn't expect anything less. You know, and everything... Foster and Cunningham, we have to remember 
I'm not big on the Crimea River. You know, they're well paid. There's plenty of perks, but I, I am conscious that they are not in in potentially difficult position. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I think I think that's right. But I mean, sh- surely there's a, enough self awareness given what you said. You know, I mean, this is we're just watching the Chiefs all over again with uh, pre rennie Chiefs. Surely there's enough um, self awareness that you go, well, maybe I aren't. Maybe I'm not a number one. Maybe I'm not a head coach. Maybe I'm better as a number two. Maybe I need to fall on my sword for the greater good. Well, I think it doesn't appear that it's going to happen. I mean, the way... I guess he had to... Well, I think we've lost, lost Hamish there a bit. Sorry, mate. Have you got me? I've got you back now. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Sorry, he, the, the way he came out on Friday at the squad announcement and proclaimed himself the coach and tried to assert uh, some leadership and some sort of control, that... That just never mean whether he was skeptical about the role he did or, or doubting whether he's the right person for it. it it's both of, to me, it was arrogant and uh, rather keeping some confusing character. And it just, like, you know, just made him seem more of an imposter, you know, putting on. But you, you talked about him sort of um, adopting Steve Hansen's sort of method of speech or, or turn of phrase or sort of posture. Like it was more of that, wasn't it? It was like, Pretending to do what a head coach should do because he doesn't say I had to do it himself. This sort of authenticity about it. Where to from here? Do you think? Uh, do you do you hold out any hope for the All Blacks in South Africa? Oh, of course. Um, I, I, I've already put a punt on them to win by thirteen plus. So that's potentially fanciful, but it's got a reasonable collect. Got to look me up. Um, yeah, we're two from here. I, I'm going to sit back and enjoy it. I, 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 I welcome their demise. I'm um, utterly untenable for New Zealand rugby because, I mean, we, did, did we all get carried away? Did we think the winds of change were coming and then get a bit you know, carried away with it? There was, there was a groundswell of thought among people who should be well-connected that change was coming and, and significant change. Nothing happened like Inheritance of those people, it's that ever since last week, yeah, I think we've lost you again there, Hamish. You've, you've seen we've gone into into digital wonderland somehow, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah, it was. It sounded like you were making sense. I just couldn't hear any of it. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. Can you hear me now? I can't. I've got... moved. I'm not doing anything. Yeah, you're you're all good now, mate. You're all good now. I don't know what happened there, but um, we should. Uh... Oh, I was just saying that the point you made last week about them being they preferring to lose than admit that they've got it wrong. That just shines through all the time, doesn't it? Like that was all last week was about. People assumed that change was coming, significant change, and the All Blacks just went. <laughs> You guys are dreaming. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, it was never going to happen, was it? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I think we all we all saw we all saw that coming. Hey, before we let you go, mate, uh, Com Games start on Friday. How are you how are you feeling about this? Is, is that something that still excites you? I won't watch it. No, no. Won't read about it. Don't care about it. What about you? Depend. I'm very sport dependent. I'm not a. I'm like that with the Olympics as well. I watch certain sports because I like certain sports, but I, I don't get all caught up in uh, in the and the pageantry, if you like, and and all of a sudden become an archery fan overnight. So, what's on the program that you do like? Uh, I'll watch the boxing. I do like the boxing, so I'll watch a bit of the boxing, and I'll probably watch the rugby sevens, to be fair. Um, and uh, yeah, that'll probably be about it, to be fair. 
but you'll have a professional obligation to be across this and you'll have experts on and you'll make good conversation and you'll seem you know pretty expert in this stuff won't you well, that's that's what they pay me to do. Yeah, that's what they pay me to do. Mate. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can I can duck that, and I, I so I feel bad for you. Will actually have to watch quite a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I'll be I'll be I'll be watching a a bit, but I'll be you know following only a couple of things. I guess would is probably the best way to put it. If you know, I'll be invested in a couple of things, and the rest will be work. Does that make sense? I think you mentioned a good sport with the sevens too, because that is actually elite sport, and that's I guess the knock on the Commonwealth Games is it's sort of a a third-rate exercise, but as far as rugby sevens goes, you are seeing the best of the best largely if you take the United States out of the equation. So, I mean, that's a worthwhile tournament. And I think going back to Gold Coast, uh, there were some pretty epic finals there, weren't there? Mm, yeah, there were. And see if we can go back to back with two uh, two golds again. That'll be the question. See if that can be done. All right, good stuff, mate. Go well. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Hamish Bidwell there with us on Media Watch. It is coming up 10 away from 9. Don't forget, uh, if you're a darts fan, at the Oki, after 9 o'clock, Ben Francis with guests galore talking darts. This is Extra Time on SENZ through till 11 o'clock. Well, Extra Time's going to take a break shortly because uh, we do have at the Oki with Ben Francis coming up. And uh, that is, if you're a darts fan, it's all about the darts. Uh, ben, what do you got on the show tonight, actually? So tonight we are going to be talking to Mal Cumming, Bernie Smith and Caden Milne, who all qualified uh, for the New Zealand Darts Masters since the last show. So we're catching up with all, all of them. Cool. Uh, talk about around that. And we've also got uh, Nathan Greenham, who's going to talk to us about an exciting darts announcement to do with New Zealand. And we'll try touch on uh, the World Match Play Final, which was overnight, which unfortunately I guess the result wrong but hey that happens sometimes it does happen but it was a good match by all accounts wasn't it a good final oh it was uh girl and price raced out to an early lead and michael van gerwen looked all over the place but then you just get a couple of you start missing those darts at double and van gerwen was scoring well he just wasn't hitting the doubles and once he started hitting that doubles he really put price under pressure took the lead for the first time at 15 14 and then ran away with it so he did an awesome job uh, to get over the line there to win his third world match play title. Nice. Uh, for more darts chat, keep it tuned here from 9 o'clock for At The Oki. Do it every second Monday on SENZ. Uh, did have a text come through here. Uh, the only way Foster and Kane will go is if they lose both in South Africa. What a shambles. And even then, uh, the way New Zealand rugby work, it won't happen because they won't admit they were wrong. You know, I don't think I disagree with you at all. I think I pretty much echoed those sentiments. Thanks for the text. Keep them coming through on 8833. That is the temper bedpost Text machine double eight double three after ten o'clock. Going to catch up with uh, Brendan Nell. He is uh, one of South Africa's leading rugby writers. He's been following things closely from there. He's going to join us to talk about the South African reaction to what's been going on over here, and also the reaction to the squad that the Springboks have announced. So uh, Brendan Nell's going to join us just after ten, and so will Betsy Hassett, the new signing for the Wellington Phoenix. This is SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball with you through till 11 o'clock coming up on the show. We're going to catch up with Brendan Nell to talk rugby from a South African point of view. Of course, uh, the Springbok squad has been announced for the rugby championship. We'll get Brendan's reaction to the squad, uh, where he sees the strengths for the Springboks and where he thinks they might be a bit vulnerable. Get his uh, take too on that Welsh series. What did we learn from the Welsh series? And obviously... It's rugby uh, 24-7 over there, much like it is here. 
So what did the South African media and the South African fans make of what happened with Ireland in New Zealand and everything that came after that with, of course, uh, Ian Foster uh, holding on to his job, uh, but two of his assistants are gone, and, of course, we've got replacements in. Were those the right decisions? Uh, a lot of people wouldn't uh, don't seem to think so, uh, given... You know, everybody seemed to think there was one man that was the problem, uh, but a couple of others have had to go in his stead while New Zealand rugby continue to back themselves in Ian Foster being the man for the job. So Brendan Nell is going to join us in a little while. We'll talk to him and get his take on all of those things. We're also going to talk uh, to Betsy Hassett. She is a football fern who has just signed a deal with the Wellington Phoenix women's team. Uh, she's uh, predominantly a midfielder. She can play as a six or as an eight, um, has played as a ten and even as a wide forward at times as well. So she's a player that gives them some versatility but also a heck of a lot of experience. She's been to three World Cups and three Olympic Games, played uh, somewhere in the region of 100 uh, plus games for the football ferns as well. So massive amounts of experience. She's coming back from Iceland to play for the Phoenix for the coming season and, of course, um, put herself in the shop window too for Yitka Klimkova, you would think, playing uh, here at home ahead of that Women's World Cup that is coming up. And, of course, the Euros, Women's Euros are on at the moment as well. Record crowds in the UK for this, uh, which is... Uh, good to see. There's certainly a lot getting on board with it, and it always helps that England are doing well. They are through to the semi-finals, along with uh, the Germans are through, I think, as well. And so are the French, and uh, England just knocked out Spain. So we'll uh, keep an eye on that too, because uh, that has been going great guns over in the UK, breaking all sorts of attendance records there in the uh, in the football. So uh, we'll talk about that with Betsy as well a little bit later on this hour when she comes on. A couple of stories coming out of the NRL at the moment, uh, which are causing quite a bit of uh, conversation, as you can imagine. Now, the Tigers, we talked about this on Rewind, but basically last night the Tigers were robbed by the bunker and by Ashley Klein. Uh, they were robbed of a, of a win against the Cowboys. The Cowboys ended up taking it by a point. The latest coming out of Australia on this is the Tigers are considering launching legal action to change Sunday's result. Um, They have sought more information from the NRL. The league have admitted error in the escort call, but Tigers' issues are uh, surround the process and the legality of the challenge being allowed. Now, a captain's challenge is allowed. You've got 10 seconds to make a captain's challenge. They're a bit lenient on it. They might give you a couple of extras. might be 12 seconds. This happened 21 seconds after the play. Um, And it's an interesting one. The Tigers also thought the final whistle had been blown, uh, and they were told that it wasn't, because the final whistle has to be a long blow, and it was only a short blow, apparently. First time I've ever heard that used as an excuse, um, or even as terminology in rugby league. So we've got that going on at the moment. And, uh, yeah, the lawyers... For the Tigers are also their sponsors, who also happen to sponsor New South Wales Rugby League. So that could get really interesting as well. Keep an eye on that. Uh, we also have seen uh, that the uh, Manly Seagulls are having a few issues. Now, this week coming up is Pride Week, and I saw them release a video earlier today, that uh, which, which is All of Us Together, I think, is what they titled it, and with some of the players modelling these new jerseys for Pride Week. Now, we're... It's not a massive change to the jersey, but you know on the Manly jersey where they've got, it's mainly maroon, but they've got those uh, thin white lines that are probably what 
maybe a couple of centimetre, centimetre and a half wide uh, around the chest. So those are rainbow coloured. And I think there's rainbow coloured hoop around the sleeve, which would normally be white as well. So that's what they've done for Pride Week. But up to seven manly players don't want to wear the Pride jersey this week and are considering not playing. Uh, which makes me wonder what century we're living in. But there you go. That is the uh, latest. That is coming from um, Danny Widler, who, of course, uh, uh, reports for Nine News and the Sun-Herald over in Australia. is one of the top uh, rugby league journalists over in Aussie. So the fact that he is talking about that is a, uh, is, it's got to be a big deal. And you've got to think that, you know, like um, some of the big brands that are associated with Manly, some of their sponsors like KFC, Pepsi Max, uh, I think there's a big betting company as well. There's a brewery uh, from Northern Sydney. I mean, those people are not going to be wanting to be dragged into something like this. We saw it happen with uh, Australian rugby with Israel Folau and Qantas basically saying, well, if you don't sort them out, we're going to pull our sponsorship. Um, it would be interesting to see if any pressure gets put on the club and then what that means with the players as well going forward. Can you get your thoughts on that? Double eight double three is the temper bed post text line. Double eight double three. It is seven past ten. Now keep uh, those texts rolling through on that. Where are you on this Tigers Cowboys thing? Should games be litigated post match? Now I know the Tigers have been ripped here, but uh this is really big. If they if they decide to legally challenge this, it goes to court and the NRL are forced to overturn the decision. That opens a can of worms, doesn't it, Ben? Opens a massive can of worms. I'm trying to think of other sports where this seems to happen all the time in terms of decisions being wrong, crucial decisions being wrong, and teams going to this link. Like I can recall multiple times that as, a, as a, someone that follows the Warriors, where they've been robbed, the NRL have come out and said, oh, those calls were wrong and they were game-changing calls. But how, it doesn't seem to happen a lot in other sports. Well, the, I mean, the only one I can think of that tends to, you know, um, or has a history of ending up in court is the America's Cup. And you don't oh, want that, and you, you don't want to go down that route. You've just you've just opened you've opened more than a can of worms. You've opened like a pallet full of cans <laughs> of worms with that one. It's it's just it's just remarkable. Like it's it's a tough one because I guess with the Cowboys they got a call late in the game the week before, which was against the Sharks, was the Tom Malolo incident. Mm-hmm. So they got a call wrong, and I think NRL said that that one was wrong. And it's almost like, so then they get the benefit of the doubt this week. And I'm not trying to say that's what happens. But it do, does make you wonder why this always seems to happen in, in, in the NRL. And this, as you said, this could open a massive can of worms if it goes any further, especially just putting the game in just the way it's gone. And does this just a sign that the bunker is just a waste of time? I think we'd all agree that the bunker has just been a waste. You know, we talk about the All Blacks in terms of wasting money buying Brad Moore, but what about the NRL <laughs> wasting money on the bunker? That's got to be up there in terms of one of the, the worst decisions ever. I, I think the game would be happier if it was gone at the same time as well with slow motion replays because they just make everything look a lot worse than... It actually is. Then they actually are. Yeah, uh, this is a, a tweet that I was looking at earlier. The chairman of West Tigers is a guy called Lee Hadjipantelis. He is the boss of Bryden's Lawyers. He's a very skilled lawyer. Uh, they also sponsor New South Wales Rugby League. 
uh, I think he's going to make Graham Annesley and the NRL look very stupid. Well, it also has a bit to do with Vossi and all that on uh, SENZ over in our Sydney. Yep. So we, I guess we're on, uh, we're on uh, Team Tigers. I, I guess we have to say. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I don't even want to take sides on that front. I just, you know, I'm not a Tigers fan, but I look at that and think, how have you got that so badly wrong? And it's not the first time the Tigers have been on the wrong end of a call this season. They've had two tries that afterwards were admitted by Graham Annesley were perfectly good tries disallowed on the field this season too. Um, which, I mean, you know, the Tigers are trying to avoid the wooden spoon, but those kind of things, you know, when you're down and go against you, they, they might turn a result, and then who knows what that means, right? Oh, yeah, you get you get times where, you, I guess, you get to the end of the season and you think, we had two games like this that, you know, where these game-winning calls went our way, and then you look at the standings and you think, oh, would you look at that? I'm four points outside the top eight. Convenient, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely frustrating, and I think with this one, I think there is a legitimate case to answer for because the thing is with the captain's challenge, and it's another can of worms, is that the the it seems to change every week in terms of how it can happen. There was the call with the Cowboys earlier this year. I think it was Chad Townsend was like screaming in the ref's face and was like, "You got it wrong, you got it wrong," and then they've gone past that time limit, and then they get to challenge the call. Yeah. So there's, there's so many inconsistencies with the rules, but I think it's part of it as well. You introduce too many rules, you're going to have so much confusion because people aren't going to get what, what goes on. And when you see one referee do it one way and then another one do it the other way, that's where it really does make it a big mess. And you think, how can they clean, clean it up? You know, Why don't we get this in American football, for example, when there's slow motion replays, when there's captain's challenges? Why is it always seem to be NRL where these decisions are going wrong and that might have to say something about the systems that they're using? Yeah, it's, it's got to say a lot about the systems that they're using. And you've also got a question. Um, I think a guy, and I know he's a senior referee, but Ashley Klein this season has had some absolute shockers. I think he's already been dropped once this season and then they brought him back. And well, he's the referee that's been in charge of this. Yeah, and I think it just comes back to, you know, if we have all this technology to make the game get these calls right, and I no doubt I reckon that the captain's challenge and uh, the bunker, that have, they've actually made you know, some of the, the, the correct calls and got wrong decisions overturned. But uh, really, it's getting to the stage now where I'm not just in rugby league, but in other sports, and I think they do it in German football, is the referee usually has to put out a statement after the game in terms of just explaining what he saw on the game and any calls. And it's almost at the stage where, as fans and as people in the media, why can't we start introducing that? Because we have to wait until the Monday to get clarification. I know the game was on a Sunday, but if the game was on a Friday, we'd have to wait all weekend to get clarification on this call, and it's just going to drag on. It's just going to be like a bad log. Why can't the referee put out the statement and say exactly why that decision was made, and then they just r- review that? What's the harm in that? Yeah, I don't think there's any harm in that. Uh, you know, to be honest, I, I think it would clean things up a lot more. Um, something else that's uh, just come out of scene from uh, a bloke who t- tweets off uh, the NRL physio, you know, NRL physio account, uh, Caelan Pong had gone for the season due to concussions. Oh, that's a big loss, and it'll be interesting to see his involvement in, in the World Cup. Mm. Just seeing they've got the Warriors replay on Ricardo. Yeah, I got I got told, and I haven't gone back and listened to it, but apparently uh, James Tarmow, according to the, our good old friend Mowley, has been linked to the Warriors next year. Well, he wouldn't be the worst signing. Need a decent big prop. 
Well, I, I, when I heard it, I was quite, I was quite funny. I was like, oh, so now he wants to represent New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was a very much a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, nickname for him, wasn't there, for a while, which he was just referred to as Kiwi Jim by league fans this side of the Tasman after his d- deciding to, after playing with Benji and everybody and the junior Kiwis, going, oh, actually, no, I'm going to go and play for Australia. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't think it would be the worst pickup, you know, or just add that, that little bit more experience in the pack. I know... I guess he's kind of one of those guys you want to get on the on the right salary. Of course, there's the reports about uh, Ali Katoa's future at the club, and I don't think Jack Murchie's signed a contract yet for next year either. So it looks like there probably will be a couple more changes uh, at the Warriors, and I think the James Tarmel pickup. I don't think it'd be the worst one. Put no, it that way, not at all. Um, yeah, and Kat, uh, what do you think about Katoa possibly being let go? I mean, we, you know seen the Warriors previously let go a lot of players have then gone and fired up like Isaiah Papali is probably the last one they did it with Ruben Wiki a few years ago you know they, they, they do have a history of doing it um, when they're talking about releasing a player and you see that there's a scramble from Aussie clubs to sign him surely you're going to go oh hang on a minute it's a bit tricky I, I guess when you look at the Warriors team and the forward pack they've got out there it's kind of how do you utilise him because he's often he's often that second row forward uh, at the moment, they got uh, Jazz Tavanga playing at, at lock. Uh, and then you've got the likes of Josh Curran, uh, Jack Murchie and Tohu that can all play on the edge. And you've got uh, you've got the guy from the Eels coming next year as well. And it's kind of a uh, thing. You know, how are you going to fit all these guys in and how are you going to give them game time? And it could simply just be down, down to a simple thing like that. And it wouldn't surprise me if he you know, does go off. Uh, he probably does want to play some first grade, but maybe... Maybe the Warriors just think he just needs a bit more time to develop because when he joined the club, he had, I don't think he, I think he'd barely played rugby league and the kind of COVID uh, incident kind of forced them to probably play him a bit more than they anticipated uh, in his debut season. And I guess when you come in, you've got a bit of a raw talent that next year you're always going to find it a bit harder as teams kind of learn to discover the way you play. But he's kind of been kept out of that, that Warriors team and there could be more to it. Uh, from what I understand, there was a bit with Isaiah Papali'i when he was at the club. Um, whether whether those are true or not, I don't know. Just going off what I was told and what I understand, but you know there were reasons why he he was let go, and it's just unfortunate that he's kind of just thrived over there. But as he's kind of said, that that was probably the best thing for his career. Yeah, uh, well, we've seen it happen a couple of times, haven't we? As as I said before, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens on that front. But James Tamo be a great pickup. Uh, your thoughts on those stories? Um, the Tigers, should the NRL let this go to court? Will they have a choice uh, to turn, uh, try and overturn the result of the game against the Cowboys? That's where, where it's heading uh, by the looks of it. The Tigers haven't ruled out anything, including refusing to play any more games this season, which could hit the NRL in the pocket. Right, TV games. <laughs> I wish the Warriors had done that with some calls that have gone <laughs> against them in the past, especially yep. uh, Parramatta a few years ago. But yeah, uh, well, no, Parramatta no. never do anything wrong. Oh, they, they do everything yeah. wrong. <laughs> uh, we've got that. We've got James Tamo. Would you like to see him in a Warriors jersey next season? Let us know your thoughts. 0800 150 811 or 8833 on the Temper Bedpost text machine. 17 past 10 here on SENZ Extra Time.
It's 22 past 10 here on SENZ Extra Time. Ricardo Ball was you through till 11 o'clock. Betsy Hassett joining us shortly, the latest signing for the Phoenix women's team. Before we get there, though, let's revisit Vossi. He was on with Ian Smith this morning talking about the game between the Cowboys and the Tigers and that last-minute call that robbed the Tigers of a win, the one that is now prospectively taking the NRL to court to overchange that decision. Top mount, bottom mount, digital inverter, fresh zones, reversible door. I just want a fridge that fits in the gap. Cut through the jargon. Ask your shopsmith almost anything at smithcity.co.nz slash shopsmiths. Deep right hand side for Fogarty. Flat ball. At full time here at GIO Stadium, they've beaten the Warriors 26 points to 14. 26 points to 14. It was another frustrating loss for the Warriors faithful on Saturday night. After what, what looked like uh, quite a promising first 40 minutes, the Newcastle Knights were dealt with the bad news that their star fullback, Kalen Ponga, has been ruled out for the rest of the season. And we've learnt that the Dolphins aren't giving up on signing Cameron Munster. The storylines keep on coming from the NRL. And that is why, as a radio host, you have to love rugby league because there's always, always something going on. And uh, we're very lucky because uh, we can talk about it at this time on a Monday morning with uh, SEN Breakfast host out of Sydney, uh, Andrew Voss, of course, the voice of rugby league commentary on the television as well. Vossi, it just keeps on coming for the Warriors. How many times have they squandered handy leads this season? Oh, Smithy, I almost don't know what to say. Good morning, everyone. And it's come against the club that has conceded more second-half leads than any other. I mean, Canberra have been tagged sadly for them, the faders. The, not the Canberra Raiders, they've been the Canberra faders. So for them to score the 26 second half points was most disappointing for the Warriors. I, I sort of had, I know this is a little sidelight, but I have this little, um, I have this this idea around sides that are outside the finals race. When it gets to the back end of the season, referees should step in and say, no, you can't take a shot at goal. There's no penalties. There's no, 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 no. Look where you are on the ladder. You're not allowed to take the two. Because when they led 12 nil, what was it, 26, 27th minute when Sean Johnson, they kicked the long range, the 40 metres. The ref should be able to step and just kick the ticking, kicking tee, won't it? No, no, come on. Go, go for the try. Go, go down further and try. Newcastle the other night, kick a, kick a two-pointer to open the game. Kick a penalty goal to open the game. I said at the time, this will be 30 to two. It becomes 30-2 to two later against the Roosters. Uh, yesterday, the Tigers at 16-6. You know, kick penalty goal to go 18-6. Well, if they roll the dice to go further in front, I'm just saying, it's just me. I'm not saying hard and fast rule. I'll be shot down. But I say, if you're out of finals contention, you, your fans don't want you kicking penalty goals. You've got to go got to go the ultimate reward and keep on going unless it's right on half time or something like that I was just look the effort was a hundred percent there who could deny the effort of the Warriors the other day but eh, just not getting it done and and the season with six weeks to go it's going to be either bottom four or bottom five take your pick you know you get into a situation like that when you're trailing the Warriors at half time as an opposition coach you say We've got them where you know we've got them where we want them. We've basically got them where we want them. We've got them in a mindset where they probably think they might win, 
but they're not going to because if we start well up in the second half and score first, it's game on. And that's exactly what happened. One minute into the second half yeah, one minute. with Albert yeah. Hopawati. One minute. Yeah, yeah. And look, on reflection, how um, the Reese Walsh situation was played, I just thought that. I know Stacey, um, uh, you know, qualified it after the game. He said he thought Chanel Harris DeVita was going well, but the Reese Walsh was thrown in when they'd fall, fallen well behind. I'm now, well, if that's how you're going to play him, if you're only going to play him for 15 minutes, you may as well let him go. You know, what's the point? I said last week, Reese Walsh has to be in the best team that the Warriors can possibly pick. And I think given the season they've had, and as something they owe to their fans, they're obliged to pick their best possible team, regardless of if the player's going to another club next year. I think they should be picking their best team. But if it's about teaching him a lesson, as some people have said, well, what's that about? Like, now, come on, it's pro sport. Either pick him, don't pick him, get rid of him. That's pretty much it with Reese Walsh now. Uh, you know, and what it does lead to is, uh, is there more, more to this than meets the eye? And you start asking questions about everything again. Well, that's right. No one here. No one wins here. And 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 next week now, if Reese Walsh is fourteen to seventeen, one of the like, he's, if he's, he's even under more pressure. So how's that going to benefit the team? How does that benefit the team? Well, it doesn't. So, you know, if, if Melbourne are chasing him hard and Warriors are only going to use him for 15 minutes, well, let him go then. Let him go. Mm. It's, not my okay. first thought. Well, well, it's not my first desire, yeah. but I'm saying if that's how no. you're going to use him, I think it's it's almost petulant to, to not have him as, as, as he's gone from permanent starter in the side to bit part in a, in a match where they were, you know, a chance of winning. So, oh, no, I... I don't see the point in keeping him then. He's great there to Ricky Stewart, though, isn't he? Uh, fantastic. He, he, he doesn't hide in a coach's box. Often he's down front and centre. Uh, and then uh, what? He, he almost injured himself celebrating. I, I saw something in the second half. No, he has injured himself. He's tore, he car- he tore his calf, Smithy. It's, it's really? an old man injury, the calf injury, but he did actually tear his calf in uh, celebrating the try. So Ricky said, you know, the first time he's finished the game sorer than his players. <laughs> That's Ricky Stewart, <laughs> great character of our game, but he get up, you know, this happens when you, get, when you reach an age and suddenly spring to your feet like that and there yeah, you can come a cropper and that's what happened to Ricky Save the best till last and it was a hell of a game between uh, the Cowboys and uh, the West Tigers now your good friend uh, Brandy Alexander called out the bunker saying they had a shocker on a captain's challenge what did you read into that were the, were the Tigers robbed yeah, OK. Well, let's first all attack it from people who are all arguing over here. Should they have been able to challenge? Well, I've gone through and I've looked at the guidelines and there is something called restart infringements. You can, in cha- you can challenge. Now, I think that's a bit ambiguous because, Smithy, for it to be an infringement, should a, you know, surely a penalty first has to be blown. It's not an infringement unless a penalty is blown. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, there was no penalty blown here. So, you know, should you be able... You can't challenge something that hasn't happened. But that's what happened, OK? So, that, anyway, that's, that, that's part of the process there. But as for the actual penalty, Asukapoa is running in a line of where the ball is going to land... That should be the first checkpoint for the bunker. He's got to have a look. So which way is he running? Is he running directly sideways or is he running at an angle? He's running at an angle. Check. And then the second one will be his eyes. Is he looking at the player that's coming through or is he looking at the ball? His eyes never lose, leave the ball. So check that. Mm-hmm. How on earth does that come up with a penalty? How on earth does that happen? I know there's escort plays all the time, but I reckon Kyle Felt initiated the contact. He knew what he was doing. He initiated the contact so he could hit the deck, 
not not the other way round. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a hypothetical. In a try-scoring situation, if Cole Felt is the attacking team and did that to Assay Kapoa, he would be penalised. It would be no try because he's taken out a defender. I think Felt initiated the contact and the Tigers were dudded, 100%. Okay, interesting point there. Um, because they still sit um, <clears throat> down the bottom, of course, with us. So uh, that would have been great for, from their point of view and probably the interesting result of the round. Uh, one of the other things, of course, uh, is just the continual demise, uh, Vossi, of the Storm now. Uh, I kind of wonder uh, if they'll even make the eight. Well, OK. So we've got Melbourne sitting on 24 points. We've got Parramatta sitting on 24 points. You have two cars that have stalled here for mine. Parramatta's mm. defence is a massive problem. Melbourne have lost four games in a row. But you need to look at the draw, what's coming up. Melbourne's draw is far easier than Parramatta. Parramatta's the team I'm most concerned for. Um, playing Penrith this week. Manly the week after. Could lose both, though. Suddenly, they will be joined by one, two, maybe even three teams. I mean, the likes of Canberra could be level with them on the ladder. So I think Parramatta in more grave danger. But Melbourne's hopes, uh, well, the next couple of weeks, it's an easier draw than Parramatta. But, you know, Craig Bellamy's a realist. They're not here just to make the eight. They're not here just to scrape into the top four. They had intentions of winning this competition. They're a long way, like they're light years away from winning it, you know, based on what's happened the last month. You know, they may they may get back and accumulate enough points to get them safely into the finals, but Melbourne have have a massive job to do over the next six weeks to get back in premiership winning form. Otherwise, it's pretty rare that you say this, they go into the finals making up the numbers. Right. Uh, let's uh, look also at uh, who they face first up. Of course, that is us back here. Warriors' second game in terms of uh, a repeat of their homecoming. Mm. Not sure there's the same hype about it because they haven't done very well since then. But here's, uh, I guess, an opportunity. Um, any sort of early more, any early week prediction on how this might go? Well, just come out hard. I mean, you'd like to think you can lead 14-0 and learn the lessons of last week. Um, absolutely come out hard on the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the, the other day, South Sydney scored in what? The, the other night scored in the first minute um, of play to make the running and have Melbourne chasing. And what you see at the moment is a Melbourne side that is out of confidence and then because they're behind on, you know, because there is scoreboard pressure, there are some, you know, pretty lazy mistakes. Unforced errors come in and they've got some young players there. They haven't, they haven't got the experienced players at the moment. You know, they've, they've, you know, they've got blokes like Anderson and these others. McDonald in the forwards made an error the other night. You know, not for the lack of trying, but, you know, they haven't been there before. They are carrying the load here for Melbourne at the moment. They're coming into this star-studded side with all, the, all these expectations. So if you can lead Melbourne, that is the key. Stacey Jones has to have his side ready to start really well, play from in front and put the storm under a bit of pressure, have them chasing points. There you go. It is uh, 27 away from 11. Uh, that was Vossi earlier this morning. On with Ian Smith. You can go to the SNZ podcast page and check out the rest of their chat as well. But interesting to hear Vossi's take on the bunker, on Kyle Felt, and on the decision between the Tigers and the Cowboys as well. When we come back, Betsy Hassett joins us from the Football Ferns and now the Wellington Phoenix. You're on SENZ Extra Time and joining us uh, from Iceland is the latest signing for the Wellington Phoenix women's team, all white, oh, I was going to say all white, football fern, let me get that right, Betsy Hassett, geez, what a way to start, <laughs> Betsy, sorry about that. <laughs> no way. 
hey, welcome to the welcome to the show and congratulations on signing with the Knicks and uh, heading back home. Thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting. What was the uh, thing you know that really tempted you to come back? I mean, I know you've been in Europe for what over ten years playing. So why come back to New Zealand now? Uh, well, I've always wanted to play in New Zealand, so this is just a dream come true that there's finally a, a professional women's team based in New Zealand. Um, but it's perfect timing, really, with the World Cup coming up next year in New Zealand and Australia. So um, it just seems like the greatest opportunity ever. So I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously last year it was a team that was put together in a hurry and it was a very young team, but it's already starting to take a, a different shape, isn't it, with the likes of yourself and, and Paige Satchel involved. Obviously, Lily's been re-signed as, along with a couple of younger players as well. What were those conversations like with Gemma and the club? I mean, what what were the things that you wanted to hear from them about what they were building? Um, I just, I'm super glad that um, they're keeping the the main core of the team because they did fantastically last year um, such a young group of girls and all really good players so um, it's really cool that they're building on that and um, yeah they just wanted to add a couple couple more players with a little bit more experience which is something that I can offer myself um, and yeah so I think we could we have a really good chance of doing well this season with, with the young girls that we have and, and also just adding a few experienced players. I think we have a really good chance of doing well. Do, how much of the Phoenix uh, did you get to see last season? Um, I didn't get to watch any full matches, but I've seen some highlights and things. Um, and, yeah, so it, it was something that I was like, oh, this is, I didn't think that they would do as well as they did. And, and so it's a such a cool thing that finally that we have this team and they're building on it and want to do well and are bringing in players so that we can do better in the league and so it's a really great opportunity and something that I am super excited to experience. I mean in terms of what you, you, your role will be within the team, I mean how did those conversations go with Gemma and, and where do you expect to uh, spend the most uh, your most minutes? Uh I think um, just being playing abroad for so long, I have the experience now, so I'll bring that and um, hopefully be playing in the midfield. Um, that's my preferred position. Um, and also I think I think I can bring a more of a leadership role now that I'm probably going to be the oldest on the team, getting, getting old now, so I can definitely take up that sort of role in the team if that's something that they they need, which is probably what they do. Mm. I mean, we've seen you play, obviously, over, over 100 times for the Football Ferns, and you've done that in several different positions. You know, you can play the box-to-box role, can't you, the eight, but you can also play as a six. Um, have you had conversations with Gemma about uh, which of those two roles she sees you sitting in more than the other? Um, no, we haven't actually discussed that completely yet, but um, hopefully be somewhere in the midfield. but as you say, I've played in a lot of different positions. I've, yeah, number eight, number six, number ten. I can also play out wide. I play out wide for my club here in Iceland. So um, I'm quite versatile. So 
um, I enjoy switching it up sometimes, even even doing that. So um, we'll see what we're we're best fit in the team. Yeah, I, I suppose it depends on the rest of the recruitment to a to an extent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, you saw you you saw some of the highlights from last season. Where do you think uh, the A League sits in comparison to say the level you're playing at in Iceland? Um, I think it might might be pretty similar. The um, it looks like it's quite fast, a fast um, speed of play there. Um, but the game here is that I'm in, the league in now is actually pretty technical and for such a small country, it's um, a really good league and really competitive league here. So I'm, uh, I fit well here and I'm assuming I hopefully I can do the same thing in the A-League. Um, it looks like it wouldn't be too much different, but that's good. Yeah, I mean, you've played, you know, all around Europe, haven't you? You've played at Manchester City, at Werder Bremen, at Ajax, and obviously you're in Iceland at the moment. Uh, so this move home, it is a one-year deal. Do you see, uh, would you like to stay longer? Would you like to extend that contract? Or do you think you'll go back to Europe um, after the World Cup? Uh, I think I'll I will have to come back to Iceland after the Phoenix season because um, I have another contract with my club here, so I'm basically just going on loan for this for this season. Um, but I yeah I'm just going to see how it goes. Maybe I'll love it, and then of course I'll want to keep keep playing and maybe sign my year. But we'll just see how it goes. I think. Yeah, quality. I mean, how did the move come about uh, for you to to come home and play for the Knicks? And how much did it have to do with uh, Yetka Klimkova in New Zealand football? Uh, I just kind of thought about it a month ago when we were on tour uh, with the fans, and I wanted to just focus more on my football um, because here in Iceland I, I'm working full time as well, which is quite quite busy. Mm. Um, so I was thinking that this would just be a great opportunity and perfect place and timing to, to play for the Phoenix, live in New Zealand and um, make myself as ready as possible I can for the World Cup next year. It's going to be great to just be in New Zealand and at home and get used to the environment again and play with some teammates in my team is going to be really helpful for us with the firm. Yeah, definitely helpful going forward. You, you mentioned you're working full-time in Iceland. Uh, coming back here, are you... Uh, I mean, I don't want to don't want to talk numbers, Betsy. But uh, you know, is it is it uh, fruitful enough for you not to have to work full time? Can you concentrate purely on your football when you come back to play for the Knicks? Uh, yes, I'll, I'll just be playing football when I'm back in New Zealand. Um, uh, I mean, I could probably because we'll have half of the day probably training, and and then I could get something alongside it if I wanted. But I think I'll just use that time to focus on football, um, which is which is doable. Probably only just, but um, that's something that's good. That's, that's great. I can do that and not be losing any money. So that's um, yeah, I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's good that you can come home and and play professional football here and you know feel like you're in a more comfortable position potentially than than you know playing pro overseas. Is that something that you think might appeal to a few other players as well? Um, sorry, what, sorry, what was that question? Well, I was just saying, you know, like in, in Iceland, you, you work full-time as well as play football. Coming home uh, to play for the Knicks, you're not going to have to do that. You can concentrate fully on your football. Do you think that might entice a few other players uh, who are playing offshore to, to, to come home and, and look at this as an option? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think so. Um, uh, hopefully the game will just grow more and more because, um, I mean, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for girls to be able to do that if they want and 
that's something that when I was little I I wanted to do and I had to go abroad to do it and now it's um now it's available in New Zealand it's so good for the younger girls to have this to aspire to and 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 it's possible to do so that's great for them to see and hopefully that continues to grow the game in New Zealand how how much of the euros have you been watching because of course that's uh, you know just off what back of what you were saying there reflects that doesn't it in the growth of women's football on the world stage particularly the euros are, are getting some record crowds and um some pretty damn good football going as well yeah i've been watching all the games it's been it's been crazy and and so exciting um yeah england england are doing well and i'm looking forward to watch the semis tomorrow is it yeah tomorrow um but yeah they've got some record crowds going on and so it's just shows how much the game has come in in a short space of time and so it's looking exciting building up to the World Cup next year Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a fantastic way to lead into it uh, and of course we see Sam Kerr is going to be on the cover of FIFA 23 as well uh, well that's great for, for women's football to have uh, you know a, a female athlete on the front of a, a big game title like that, you, you must be getting sick of the sight of her though, surely Yeah yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's amazing. So, so good for for finally, which should have happened probably a while ago. But it's such a great, yeah. It's really cool that finally she's on the cover, and yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, fantastic news, fantastic news, Betsy, and it's fantastic you're coming home to play uh, for the Wellington Phoenix women's team. I'm really looking forward to it. We've already had Paige on, we've had Gemma on, uh, we've had Lily on. Uh, who else we've had? Um, Alyssa on. I think uh, Mac is the only one that we haven't managed to tie down uh, for a, for an interview yet. So uh, it's great talking to you all and, and getting your take on on where you are at the moment. Um, can I ask you a, a quick fire five questions, Betsy, to finish, just to get to know you a little better? Yeah, sure. All right, mate. If I grabbed your phone right now and scrolled it through your Spotify, what was the last song you listened to? Oh. Um, probably, um, um, probably some reggae song, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's the, the, the first answer I've known what that means um, out of the last four of these I've done, so that's good. That's good. Thank, thank you for that, Betsy, for not making me feel too old. I know what reggae is, so that's good. Um, who was your football hero growing up? Um, it was. I loved the Brazil team, but probably Ronaldinho. Mm. Yeah, fantastic player, eh? Such individual skills. You don't see too many of those guys uh, these days, eh? No. No, not at all. I loved watching the Brazil team. They're amazing. Yeah, him and Rivaldo. The, some of the things those guys could do with the ball was uh, was amazing. All right. Um, you got a night off. Yeah. You've got a weekend off, let's say. No game, no training. Uh, you can hit the couch. What's your comfort food go-to? Ooh. Probably sushi, sushi. Sushi, that's a very, that's sushi. a very healthy yeah. comfort food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, comfort food. <laughs> oh, well, if I had it in Iceland, I would definitely go for dark gamma Whitaker's chocolate. Mm, yeah, yeah. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. All right. And what's on the big screen? What's your favourite TV show or movie? Um, at the well, at the moment, I'm watching um. Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's hilarious. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. I just started, like, getting into it this weekend, so that's the first thing that came to my head, and it's just, yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, good call, good call. And finally, Betsy, who is the most famous person you've ever met? Oh, 
just most famous. Um, Oh, um, probably someone at the Olympics and trying to some tall. Oh, I met some. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Someone, someone at the Olympics. <laughs> I'm really bad with famous people. I, I'm just terrible. I always forget their names. Well, that's all right, mate. You could just do an elicited. She just said flee. Yeah, probably her. Probably flee. All right, let's just go with flee. I think everybody's yeah. answer is just going to be flee from now on. Uh, good stuff, Betsy. Thanks okay. very much for coming on, mate. And um, yeah, best of luck. Look, uh, when, when are you looking at touching down in New Zealand? Um, probably mid October after our Japan tour. But um, yeah, that's not confirmed, but probably that's looking promising. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Well, good luck until then. And uh, hopefully we can see you once you land and look forward to seeing you run around in that Phoenix kid, eh? Yeah, cool. Thanks so much for the call. Five away from 11 here on SENZ. Uh, further development from the Manly story. Uh, the players uh, who are unhappy with having to wear a Pride jersey for Pride Month uh, and have threatened to step down, well, they have been stood down by the club. Six of them started last week and one was off the bench. So the Manly team this weekend is going to look very, very different. Some of the names you might recognise, uh, Jason Saab, Christian Tuipolotu, jo- uh, Josh Schuster, Toff Sipley, of course, a former Warrior as well, Tolutau Kaulua, uh, Haumoli Olakauatu, and uh, Josh Aluai as well. All of those guys have been stood down by the club and will not feature this weekend against the Roosters. Be interested to get on the Roosters right now, mate, before that line changes just quietly. This is Extra Time. We'll be back 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.